It's good to see you, Grace Church. Um, it is an honor to be here with you. Just We have been praying for you, praying that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks through His Word to your heart, to your mind, to your soul, and that you hear from God this morning. I don't know about you, but we were borderline rocking out this morning. Borderline. Okay? And some of you are like, man, why is the music so loud? Why... We're just trying to prepare you for heaven. Come on, okay? We're just trying to prepare you, get you ready. Because heaven is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So, we are in week two of our three-week series called Tough Questions. And last week, we saw that a lot of questions that we face can be uh, delicately handled and appropriately handled by using the greatest value of our Christian faith, and that is love. We can handle the toughest questions that come our way by loving people. You cannot go wrong by loving people. That's the two greatest commands, right? In all of Scripture, love God and love people. We also laid the foundation last Sunday that that's needed to keep unity in the midst of difficult situations. Okay? It's like building a house. You cannot build a house properly without the proper foundation. And the proper foundation has to be Jesus Christ. Okay? We have to be unified around Jesus Christ. But there are all kinds of different branches, you could say, that branch off. Different questions, different backgrounds, different beliefs. We all come here with different stories. And so how does this work in a church? How do we stay unified? So the foundation that's needed to keep unity in in the midst of difficult situations is this. This is the way we sum it up here at Grace Church. In the essentials, unity. Around Jesus Christ, we have to be unified. There are some hills that we're going to die on when it comes to Jesus Christ. We have to be unified around the essentials. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. And our prayer here at Grace is that we will be unified, but we won't be uniformed. Okay? We won't all look the same, talk the same, uh, do the same things. We're diverse, and there is great strength in diversity. And in order for us to be unified as a church, spirit and truth has to be our authority. Has to be. The Bible and the Spirit of God are the authority and the foundation of our faith and practice. So with that said... Let me share with you one of the tough questions that we received that we're going to deal with uh, and cover today. And we actually received this question in a a, a couple of different ways, but I'm going to summarize it this way. What about people, this is the question that we received, what about people who have never heard about Jesus? What about people who have never heard the gospel? What happens to people who have never heard about Jesus. Are they going to hell despite never hearing the gospel? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. This is such an important question because we saw last week that people really, really matter to God. Every single person really matters to God. People matter so much to God that He sent His Son Jesus into the world to tell them, to tell you 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how deep of a hole you've dug. It doesn't matter what you've smoked, what you've snorted, what you've drank, or who you've slept with. There's a Father in heaven who loves you deeply and is ready to save, He's ready to forgive, and He's ready to welcome you into His family. In answering the question of what about people who have never heard about Jesus, I want to approach it uh, by answering the what, the why, and the how. What about those people who have never heard the gospel? Why do we need to share the gospel? And how do we share the gospel? Very, very critical, very important questions to ask. So let's start with the what. What about those people who have never heard the gospel? Pastor Justin, what about that remote village in in the middle of Africa where a missionary has never got to and they have never heard about Jesus? What about those people? The Bible says knowing, believing in, and following Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. But what about people in remote, remote parts of the world who may never get a chance to hear about God or about Jesus, what happens to them? The Bible is very clear that apart from Christ, you cannot go to heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 6, No one comes to the Father except through me. So how does this apply to someone who never hears the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? So let's look to the Bible, let's look to God to answer this critically important question. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 says this, For what can be known, this is written by the Apostle Paul, for what can be known about God is plain to them, speaking of people, because God has shown it to them. Speaking of people, the King James Version says God is manifest in them, which means the reality that God exists is made known to people instinctively. God has put this knowledge in our hearts. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, speaking of God, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, speaking of people once again, are without excuse. People have no excuse for not knowing God. The the knowledge of God, knowing there's someone much greater than ourselves, comes to us naturally. Much like the way we instinctively seek for water when we're thirsty. The psalmist wrote, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Psalm 14.1 God created us to be drawn to Him. God created us to seek a greater purpose for our life. The best way to make someone go insane is to send them out by themselves in, a, in, in the forest and just let them stay there forever. Because they want more. They, they're seeking relationship. They're designed that way. They're designed to seek a greater purpose for their life. And God also uses, church, some pretty amazing visual aids to make Himself known to all. And that is, He uses His creation. We can see God through the divine design 
of nature. Look at Psalm 19, verses 1-4. through It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Got to sit with some friends last night around a campfire, watching the stars, looking at the Big Dipper, you know, seeing satellites float across, all that stuff. It's amazing. And you see the Milky Way. I was telling the story, when we went to Africa, we were able to see the Southern Cross. You know, you can only see it from the Southern Hemisphere. You can't see it where we're at. It's just amazing, the stars that are just endless in the universe. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. You can't help but look at a beautiful sunset. The sun, the moon, we saw the eclipse a couple weeks ago or a week, a week ago. You can't help but look at that and go, I am so tiny and puny and, and there's something greater. There's something greater. The skies, it says, display His craftsmanship. Our God is creative. Day after day, they continue to speak talking about the skies. Night after night, they make Him known. That sunset is declaring God. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet, their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. So when someone responds to these visual aids... When someone truly seeks after God, God will move heaven and earth. God will make sure that person understands his or her need for Jesus. God will arrange the details for that person to know the gospel. And maybe it's through a missionary. Maybe it's a a Bible. Maybe it's a song. You know, it could be anything. But Pastor Justin, what if a missionary never visits that island? What if a Bible never gets into their hands? What then? Church, we can be assured and we can rest in the fact that our God is love. Our God is loving, He's perfectly just, and He is in control. God is sovereign, and He will always do what is right. Nothing will stop God from getting the good news of Jesus to the most remote parts of the world. Acts 1.8 says, to the ends of the earth. To prove that reality, God uh, gave John a glimpse of heaven in the book of Revelation. And John, in this vision that he got from God, he saw a glimpse of heaven, and this is what he saw. He saw people from every tribe, every language, and from every nation. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. The bottom line is, God is able to reveal the truth about Himself to anyone, anywhere. But He often uses us to do it. God calls us to share His love with with the people around us. And He even calls us to, uh, uh, to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. The Bible makes it clear that people are without excuse for not knowing God. There's no excuse for not knowing God. When someone asks me this question, after doing my best to answer it, I, I like to ask them a simple question. A question that Jesus used with His disciples in Luke chapter 9. 
after Jesus had miraculously fed over 5,000 people, a lot of stories began to swirl, as you can imagine, about who this Jesus guy was. The disciples were going round and round, and they kind of huddled up and gathered after the masses had left with full bellies. And they were just blown away, but they just began talking about, like, the events of that day. And they were going around and around with all the opinions of what others think and what others say about who Jesus is. And they were engaged in what about those people type of questions. And Jesus just let them go around and around for a little bit. And then he brought them back into focus. And he he put the spotlight back on the disciples and he asked them a life-altering question. Jesus says, what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Friends, I have to ask you the same question. You, you've heard the story of Jesus. You know the truth. You know He came from heaven to earth to, and He lived a perfect life so that He could be the perfect sacrifice on the cross for your sin. What about you? Let's let's not put the spotlight on what about those people. What about you? Who do you say Jesus is? Is He your God? If not, I pray that today would be the day of your salvation. We've seen from Scripture that people are without excuse knowing God. God has used visual aids. He's used the message of His Word. He's used missionaries. He's used... Uh, my roommate in college was a missionary to Austria, and they were actually housing a lot of immigrants that were coming up from Iran and Iraq. God was using dreams to, sh- to reveal himself to people. God uses all kinds of methods to make himself known to people. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. So we know from Scripture that people are without excuse. So let's shift our focus to the question of why. Why do we need to reach people? With the gospel. First of all, we need to go with the gospel because Jesus commanded and equipped us to do so. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Are you looking for purpose in your life? I can't think of a better purpose than Matthew 28, verse 19. Wow, what a calling. In John chapter 20, Jesus appears to his disciples after being dead for three days. And in verses 20 and 21, he says this. And as he, Jesus, spoke to his disciples, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that experience? Unbelievable. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me across the cosmos to come to this little planet Earth to die for you, so I am sending you. Man, we must share the gospel of Jesus with others because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Church, there is one gospel for all people, no matter what their race, their nationality, their culture, their background... There is one gospel. There is one Savior. And His name 
is Jesus Christ. And wherever the gospel goes, whether it's to the most advanced universities in the world, to the most primitive third world countries or cultures, it has the same effect wherever the gospel goes. It transforms lives as people are reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. God has chosen you. God has chosen me to speak on His behalf. It's incredible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. Let's grasp it this morning. Please, this is huge. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I mean, that's, that's what I try to do Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. It's just say, hey, come back to God. He's ready to welcome you home. Come back. Come back to God. What, so what is an ambassador? An ambassador is a dipl- uh, diplomatic representative that attends international meetings and banquets and parties and speaks on behalf of the leader of their country of origin. And catch this. This is great. Ambassadors are also known as diplomats, a more general term describing those that work in a foreign country while retaining citizenship in their home country. If you're a follower of Jesus, heaven is your home. And this world in which you live is foreign to you. And as Christians, we speak on behalf of the King of Heaven. We are ambassadors of Christ. What what an incredible thought. We also need to share the Gospel because our King, our God, doesn't want anyone to perish. The last part of 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to come to repentance. God has always been painted in this bad light that He is out to get people. That He's just up there with lightning bolts ready to strike people dead. It's not God. It's not the God we serve. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to come to salvation. It's like we talked about last week. God, like the shepherd, is looking for the lost sheep. Like the woman is looking everywhere for the lost coin. And like the father who celebrates when his lost and confused son returns home, God is searching for those who are far from him. And by sharing your faith, you're joining God in his search to see that everyone comes to a relationship with God the Father. And just so you know, God is planning on a full house. Luke chapter 14, verse 23 says, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. I kind of get this image of somebody looking behind bushes, you know, for people. And urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Church, I also believe a great reason you should share Jesus with others is because of what He's done for you. I couldn't help but think as we were worshiping this morning with borderline rocking out music, getting an image of... Have you seen someone when they are maybe wrongly accused and they're put in prison and 
They go years spending in prison, and that first day that they've been kind of redeemed or their story has been <clears throat> changed and they, they're found innocent, and that first day they walk out into freedom, YouTube it. But I don't think people walk out like this. What's up? Want to hit Mickey D's or something? You know, you know. No, people walk out with their hands raised. They're free. They walk out. They kiss the ground. They walk out embracing everyone. They were in bondage, and now they are set free. When someone is truly free, they can't help but express that. They can't help it. I lost my place. I also believe, there we go, a great reason you should share Jesus with others is because of what he's done for you. The question I would just ask us is, is why in the world would I hide or would you hide such a great treasure? The reality is you shouldn't hide such a great treasure. When Jesus changes and transforms your life, you can't help but tell others. You can't help but express it. Jesus has transformed your life. You should share that. You should share that experience. Let me ask you, has Jesus transformed your life? Some of us, I I think there are some of us where maybe your faith is your faith because of your parents, but you've never made it your own faith. You need to go through that experience where you make your faith your own. You're not believing it just because of mom and dad believe it. You believe it because it's the truth. And you know it's the truth. Have your, has your life been transformed by Jesus? Don't keep your story hidden. Matthew 10, the last part of verse 8 says, Give as freely as you have received. Man, give it away. This leads us to the question of how. How do we share our faith? Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 says, This is the Apostle Paul again, and he's just reasoning with people that are listening to him speak. And he says, but how can they call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? How do we reach people with the gospel. So let's look at some practical considerations and I want to give some encouragement to help us with the how when it comes to sharing our faith. And my prayer this week for you has been that we will share our faith because we are inspired to do so. Not because of guilt or shame or because I tried to make you feel bad. I want you to share your faith because it's real and it's genuine and you're inspired to share your faith. That's been my prayer. I don't want your motivation to be anything else. I would rather you be inspired by the love and the sheer astonishment at what Christ has already done for you. That's a much better way to to share your story and to share the gospel. So let me just start with an encouraging reminder as we're considering the how. How do we reach people with the gospel? When it comes to sharing your faith, remember that you'll be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit of God. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You're not alone in this. Okay? You're not alone. God is with you, and he will give you the courage. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the power you need to be an amazing ambassador for heaven. Secondly, I want us to understand that engaging our culture is a must. We must be involved with the people around us, the culture around us. In 1 Corinthians, the the Apostle Paul tells us that he tried to express, he tried to communicate, he tried to show Jesus um, in as many ways as he could to win as many people as he could. We have the gospel, but what are we doing with it? God came to earth to seek and to save the lost. Let's not just believe the theology of Paul. Let's live the lifestyle of Paul. He went deep into his culture to share Jesus Christ. His desire was to see people saved, to see them become followers of of Jesus. Sadly, to many of us, non-Christians, don't they just annoy you? They're an annoyance, right? You don't like their lifestyle. You don't like the booze they drink. You don't like the beds they sleep in. You don't like the way they vote. That really annoys you. Church, do you realize how far from the heart of God your heart is when you think those thoughts and when you believe those feelings? Because God looks at people who are far from Him And he has this intense fondness, love, and affection for them. He's rooting for them to be redeemed. And he's paid the ultimate price through Jesus, his son, to make it possible for everyone to come home. If I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus properly, my heart will become more like his and more aligned with his heart. And my heart will be more concerned for people who are far from God, who are not in the family of God. Is your focus being right all the time? It's just, I got to be right, man. I don't care who I run over. I don't care, you know, who's in my way. I've got to be right. Or is your focus Jesus? When it comes to sharing our faith, relationship is critical. Relationship is key. Some have said that you can't find biblical examples of relational evangelism in the scriptures, and I wholeheartedly disagree. Okay, Let me just share a few examples with you um, from the scriptures just quickly. The great preacher and evangelist, Peter, came to know Jesus because of his brother, Andrew. Philip brought his friend Nathaniel to meet and ultimately believe in Jesus in John chapter 1. The Samaritan woman told her whole town about her encounter with Jesus in John chapter 4. The man who was full of demons and, and Jesus cast out all the demons, he went and told his friends how much Jesus had done for him in Mark chapter 5. Matthew invited his friends to a dinner party where they could meet Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. Zacchaeus also invited many of his friends to a dinner party to meet Jesus in Luke chapter 19. Jesus himself 
was accused of being too relational, too friendly with sinners, social outcasts, those who drank too much and partied too much. And Paul spent nearly two years talking faith with Felix the governor in the book of Acts. Often, the old adage rings true that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Relationship is key. It's critical. The next practical consideration is an obvious one, and that is to live what you believe. Matthew 5.16 says, Let good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Our good deeds should be abundant. You're not going to be perfect, but you've got to be genuine, too, about your faith. People who are sincerely seeking after truth, seeking after God, they're going to see right through a fake religious facade. And when it comes to sharing our faith, God encourages us to be gentle and respectful to others. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Verse 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Our job isn't to prove the world wrong. Our job is to share Jesus and to do it gently and respectfully. And I believe the best way to accomplish this is by sharing your own journey of faith, by sharing your own story. Number six there in your notes, some hows. How do you share your faith? We need to pray for those who are far from God. Church, let's, let's be a praying church. Let's pray for our friends. Let's pray for our family, our co-workers. Romans 10.1, Paul says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, he's speaking of those who are far from God, is that they may be saved. It's his heart's desire. That's his heart's prayer. If you remember, a little over a year ago, uh, we asked you to write some names of people that you were praying for to, to see them come to faith. And we called it the M1 poster, Make One Poster. It's actually hanging out in the lobby right now. And the challenge was is to write their name down, but to continually pray for them. And uh, it's been over a year, but we, we, we were encouraging you to just, man, make sure you pray for them, but also pray for opportunities to share your faith with them. Ask God for some opportunities to share Jesus. And you could say this is a bit of a follow-up. I just want to encourage you to continue to pray for those names that you wrote down. And I encourage you to pray for your friends, pray for your family, your co-workers, and look for opportunities to share the love of Jesus with them. And lastly, when it comes to sharing our faith, we've got to trust God with the results. 1 Corinthians 3.6 Paul said, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. 1 Corinthians 3.6 Man, making disciples is such a big deal to us here at Grace Church because people matter to God. And everyone you see today is going to spend an eternity somewhere. There is life after death. And we want everyone to experience the same peace, the same joy, the life, true life, that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Man, if people greatly matter to God, they should greatly matter to us. I'm going to end this morning just by giving you an update on my 
uh, M1. Okay, the name that I wrote down on the poster. I want to give you an update on the name that I wrote down about about a year ago. After I preached that sermon about a year ago, the sermon was titled "Make One, Make One, uh, Make a Disciple." Let's just focus on one person for a year. After I preached that sermon, I, I, I personally was greatly moved by God to begin praying again for a buddy of mine that I had had since my youth. And uh, let me just tell you, this guy is a man's man, okay? He, uh, we've always been good buddies. He's never wanted anything to do with Jesus, though. He uh, politely told me to keep my religion to myself. And so, like the scripture says, I respected his request. And I didn't try to shove Jesus in his face. And I just determined to be his friend. And over the years, our friendship has, has remained intact. But we've gone long periods of times without communicating with each other for various reasons. And, you know, just different life paths and his tenure in the military. And, you know, sometimes just life happens. And uh, it was a few months after the M1 sermon after God had encouraged me to continue praying for my buddy, after not having talked with him for a long time, I got one of those difficult phone calls. It was my buddy on the phone, and he was calling me to tell me that his wife had unexpectedly passed away. And as you can imagine, he was heartbroken, he was dejected, but he told me over the phone that it would really honor him if I could be at the funeral. And he said on the phone, I would greatly appreciate your support through this time. And so, church, I was, I was able to make the funeral. I made sure that happened. I was at the funeral. Uh, and I remember parking. And I was walking up to the area where everyone was gathering. And I didn't know anybody. You know, it's awkward. <laughs> but as soon as I saw this man's man, and as soon as he saw me and we made eye contact, he walked directly to me, and he broke down weeping. Gosh, man. And in this moment of intense pain and hardship, he was reaching out to someone. He was reaching out to me, someone who is far from perfect, but someone who loved him in spite of our religious differences. I loved him in spite of our lifestyle differences. And in this moment of intense, deep pain, I was able to embrace him. And I said, I love you, brother. He said, I love you too, man. Church, did he, did he drop to his knees right there and say, Jesus, I surrender all to thee, my blessed Savior? No, he didn't. He didn't drop right there and ask Jesus to save him. But on that day, a huge step was taken in that direction. I will continue to pray for him. I have continued to pray for him. And I will do my best to love him. And I am confident, church, that 
that Jesus is after him. Jesus has begun a work in him. And I am confident that Jesus is going to complete that work in his life. Like Paul, man, I was just planting seeds. Somebody else is going to come and they're going to water on my buddy's life. They're going to water the seeds that I planted. And God is the one who's going to bring the increase. And that's going to be an amazing day. It's going to be an amazing day. Who are you praying for, church? Who are you praying for? Who are you intentionally showing the love of God to? Are are you going out? Man, there's just no greater purpose. And how will they know unless we go? How will they know? And I just wanted to just give us the time. We've been saying this for the past few weeks. We wanted to create some space for the Holy Spirit to have His work in your heart, your mind, and just give you some time to reflect maybe on the message. And I understand sometimes God is working in ways that I can't fathom or understand. And maybe there's just different situations or things that you're thinking about right now. We just want to give you some time to pray, to think about those things, to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. The band is actually just going to play this instrumental. There's going to be no words sung. But if you would, just take some time, man. Bow your heads, close your eyes, come up to the altar if you need to. Uh, Stand up and just say, thank you, God, for saving me. Whatever you need to do, let's just use some time to seek the Spirit and to allow Him to speak into our lives this morning. And after a few moments have passed, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to close in prayer. And we're going to be dismissed this morning. But let God have His way with your heart, with your mind, with your family this morning. Okay? share the love of Jesus with those that are around us. And I I pray that you would help us to be sensitive to your spirit and to share the love of God with gentleness and with respect. Lord, I pray that you will continue to finish the work that you've begun in the hearts and lives of people even here this morning. Continue to save those who are far from you. Continue to transform lives. And I pray that you will continue to bring about life change in such a way that people are blown away by your goodness. Blown away. And I pray that we would be a church that isn't self-centered, self-focused, little nice little club. I pray that instead we would go out into
to the highways, the byways. We would look behind the hedges for those people that might be behind there. I just pray that we would go out and we would uh, take risks. We would go to the ends of the earth. You would call us out and this life would be adventuresome and we would follow you into the depths. Just like we sang earlier this morning, it's out into the oceans. Uh, we We would follow you wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, thanks for being here this morning. You are dismissed.